Hello and welcome back to Mix the Ball Talk Gibberish. So this week we haven't got loads to go through really. I think really, obviously we're going to focus on the main game of the weekend, the Manchester Derby. That was uh, one-sided, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but yeah, we need to talk about um, what that means for the title race, the top four race, even though that's you know not really anything to that's too significant, you know. And relegation battle as well, obviously... There's been some results there that could change things there. So, as I say, not loads to go through. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll do an episode anyway. So, I mean, the Manchester Derby is the main thing. Obviously, if you've got anything about, you know, if you know anything about football, you're like, right, okay, well, United are going to lose this game. Um, you know, anyway, right, we'll go through it. So, yeah, all right, let's just get that out of the way because... Uh, that's the main story. So City versus United, obviously City won 4-1, uh, which is obviously quite a big score, you know, quite a big uh, winning margin, but it could have been a lot worse. Quite frankly, like United were really poor in this game. Um, first half did okay, second half um, was was horrendous. So, you know, um, yeah, pretty, pretty bad. Uh, from a United point of view, City, again, like, you know, City are so good that it doesn't really, it's, it doesn't really come as a surprise. I mean, in the reverse fixture at Old Trafford in um, like September, October, I can't really remember when it was, uh, you know, City just walked about and didn't make any subs that game and won 2-0 and, and it could have been a hell of a lot worse then as well. So, you know, we're used to seeing this kind of thing. The only real surprise with us was that United did get a goal. Quite frankly, um, yeah, it was it was a bad game um, for United's point of view. Um, but yeah, City they look good. I mean, they are you know they're City, aren't they? They just win every week unless you get like a freak um, a freak result because you kind of expect them to win every week now, which is the point we've got to. Back in the day, and I'll harp on about this. Back in the day when United used to win titles. Uh, and when we used to have title races, like proper ones, uh, which actually this one will be as well. Liverpool are keeping pace very well, so don't worry about that. We are going to have a title race. But, you know, when we had, uh, you know, closer races and, like, you know, the top two teams didn't didn't feel as though they were a million miles away from the rest of the pack, um, you always felt as though, you, you know, Man United or Liverpool or Arsenal, whoever was it, or Chelsea, whoever was in the title race, you know, or, you felt as though they could potentially slip up a lot of the time. You know, you didn't feel as though they were just going to go and win like 10 games on the bounce. Whereas with City and Liverpool, you feel as though that is the case all the time. You know, like Liverpool on paper have got a tougher run in than City, but it would not surprise me if they won every game still. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's that kind of, it's got that kind of feel to it now, the top two sides, which is a little bit um, disappointing. You know, it defeats the purpose of it you know if you know that one team's going to win all the time like it's not fun if they win every week that's you know is it you know what i mean like there's no point i mean obviously supporting man united back in the day was was a lot of fun because they did win a lot of things but they didn't win every week so it was never a formality it was never a oh it's going to be united this season like you know they'd be the favorites a lot of the time but they'd have to put in the work. Whereas, you know, and, and obviously, you know, that's maybe being a little bit disrespectful to City and Liverpool because they have, you know, put in a lot of work behind the scenes in order to build these squads and build these clubs because 
Liverpool 10 years ago, you wouldn't have thought that they'd be in a position of where they are now. Maybe even like, you know, seven, six, seven years ago. Until they hired Klopp, you know, they they weren't ever really close to winning the league. Um, I mean, obviously they did have that season under Rodgers, but then when that, when he didn't win the league, you felt as though it fell away again under Rodgers. You know, they finished seventh the next season, in his final season. So... Or at the end of his, you know, final season, because uh, he got sacked in October, I think was it or something. I, I can't remember. But you know, you never felt as though Rogers was going to take him there after that, after that failure in twenty fourteen. Whereas now, when Klopp came in, you you felt as though they were building something, and you know, obviously they've they've won the league, they've won the Champions League under him, so you know they are doing incredibly well and City of course has just gone from strength to strength because of the ownership because of the money that's come in you know obviously it's a very sophisticated sporting project but it's a very sophisticated sports washing exercise as well let's all be clear about that you know we know that uh, it's it's not you know it's it's not a particularly good thing that's happening at City Um, incidentally we will be mentioning those kind of things as well later on in the episode uh, when it comes to Russia, uh, we've obviously got a lot of stuff to talk about with that issue. Um, I will keep it brief though at the end of the episode, but you know it's just uh, it's an issue that is quite um, quite heavy, you know, at uh, at this time, and we and pe- more people should be aware of it. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. You know, we'll talk about that during the Chelsea analysis. But my, I mean, that is it's pretty pathetic what what happened at, at Burnley. I must say, so in my opinion. But anyway back to the City and United game. I mean, the thing is, with this game, you know, let's actually talk about the game. It was, you know, it when, when City went 1-0 up within five minutes, you were just kind of like, oh, here we go. This is going to be a long fucking afternoon, isn't it, for Man United? Um, but they rallied a little bit, United. They were doing okay. And then when Sancho scored, it was a really good goal, really good equaliser. Uh, you thought, okay, maybe this could be a game. But actually... City then retook the lead, and then when they went in on at half time, Man United had had quite a good first half. You know, obviously they were losing, but they weren't out of it. They were still in touching distance, and it was that was quite you know set up for an interesting second half. But they just didn't have any of the ball in the second half. It was felt as though City knew exactly what they had to do in the second half. You know, they came out and they just passed it and controlled it through the midfield. Uh, De Bruyne was playing very well. Foden. I mean, when you've got fellas like De Bruyne, Foden, Mares, Bernardo Silva, who's an unsung hero in that team, and Jack Grealish, all players who you know pass the ball incredibly well, progress it well, um, you know, can take the ball on the turn, and so it and it speeds it up. Just and that injection of pace, just suddenly, is just so dangerous, uh, especially to a static midfield like that involves Fred, uh, Fred and McTominay. Um, and Pogba to a lesser extent. I mean, Pogba, I think he's a wonderful player. I think he's United's best player. But, you know, he's not... He's not a fellow who's going to press all the time. You know, he can't... You know, he's not He's not going to run for 90 minutes because it's just not his game. At the end of the day, he'd be better playing him further up the pitch in a lot of ways, you know, just behind the striker. Um, I mean, that's that. he said that's not his favourite position. But, you know, in modern football, if you're going to play you know, the the number six role or, you know, the box-to-box role, then you have to be prepared to press. And I don't think Pogba's particularly good at that. Um, 
you know, I think his strength is on the ball. When you give him the ball, he his passing is wonderful. His he keeps the ball well. You know, he can run with it, and you know he's very strong, so he can he can shield the ball and run with it very well. As I say, you know, his passing is wonderful. He's he's got a good shot on him. Like he needs to be further up the pitch because you know when when we when Man United don't have the ball when he doesn't have the ball and he's trying to win it back that's not his strength in my opinion obviously some people would disagree with that but I would I would personally say that Paul Pogba is a hell of a lot better on the ball than he is off it that's my opinion uh, when you're defending as well you know when when you're defending like he's just not as good as uh, defending as he is attacking because his movements going forward is quite good as well so yeah anyway uh, my point was that yes uh, that that static midfield of Man United's got completely ran rings around I mean Rodri as well played and he's a you know he's in the mould of someone like like Makaleli almost you know or Fernandinho because he gets the ball he tackles well he presses well he create, he makes those little fouls well in the middle of the park and he then gives the ball to someone who's much more talented than him. You know, he's the Thomas Gravison <laughs> at Real Madrid. Uh, you know, so it's not... Yeah, it just wasn't a good game for, for United, you know. And as I say, uh, you know, City wear you down, you know, and or wore them down. And it was just a, just a, a really well-worked display from City, you know. They knew they were the better side looking at the team and quite frankly the defending was shocking from Man United as well let's be clear like for both goals in the first half and then you know Mares's first goal and City's third was you know they tried exactly the same move like five minutes earlier and United didn't react to it then and then they didn't react to it the second time when he did score like the first time the free kick came in and it was just a short free kick to the edge of the box where Mares then put it over but no one got out to him and then the second time they tried it, it was from a corner and they just dink pinged it to the edge of the box where Mares was standing again unmarked again no one got out to him and fair play to him it was a wonderful finish on the on the volley I think it was it was a wonderful finish anyway you know it was brilliant and um but again, no one got out to him, you know, when you, the warning signs were there. And then, of course, you know, the fourth goal, they, they shot themselves, the United shot themselves in the foot. They, I mean, as I say, City are a good side. They're a phenomenal side. It's just, they're too good for Man United and they're too good for the league. Uh, and too good for everyone in the league apart from Liverpool. And so, you know, what, what else can you say? You know, I mean, City have got better young players coming through. They've got better manager, they've got better coaching, they've got better scouting, they've got better, you know, analysis. Uh, they've just got better everything. You know, they've got a better board, they've got a better, they've got a better everything, haven't they? You know what I mean? Like, they just... But but it's... It's... It's not because of the love of football or the love for Man City, you know. It's a cynical uh, thing. You know, City are a tool of, uh, of their owners. Uh, they are a pawn... That the, the state that the Abu Dhabi state uses to uh, you know to uh, well it's sports washing isn't it you know it, 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 their reputation is so much more so much better internationally having owned Manchester City for the last 10 15 years you know so that's the true purpose of it that's why city is so good because it's good for business isn't it it's good for you know it's good for 
it's good for people not asking questions. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's all rather cynical, but yeah, City are a great a great side, and they'll probably win the league, and everyone will go, oh, amazing, yeah. But let's let's you know let's do a minute silence for for Ukraine. Let's applause for Ukraine, which obviously we should be, but you know let's not ask any questions about Yemen. So that's uh, you know Yemen. Obviously, if you're not aware, there's a war going on in Yemen. Well, they're just shelling the shit out of it. You know, for the last four years, children dying of starvation in there. You know, it's a humanitarian crisis, and you know, there's no there's no energy, there's no outrage, and. Maybe we should be asking these questions, you know. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's the derby. It was pretty shit for Man United, pretty good for Man City. So, and City will probably go on to win the league. As I say, they've got an easier run than Liverpool in, on paper. You know, Liverpool still have to play Man United. Of course, that is not a great obstacle, um, but it can be potentially for Liverpool. I mean, because be, purely because it's later in the season, like if United put a few wins together or something and all of a sudden if they beat Liverpool or even draw at Anfield then it's, it consolidates their top four position or what have you then of course United have got a hell of a lot more to play for if all of a sudden it looks as though United are definitely going to finish fifth and then they rock up at Anfield you think fuck this is going to be a long afternoon for United do you know what I mean so it's uh, you know and United can always raise the game for Liverpool because it's the biggest game in the calendar, isn't it, for both clubs, really? And also, Liverpool do have to play Everton, which again, of course, as as, as we've said, Everton is shite. Uh, they've just hired some dummy, uh, you know, as manager. But um, again, a derby, you know, and they and they and they, if it looks as though Everton are going to go down unless they fucking beat Liverpool, then they're going to be playing with everything they've got. You know what I mean? So it could be a tough game for Liverpool. So that's why I think that you know City are going to win the league. Uh, so sorry Liverpool fans but it's just because I think you've got a slightly tougher running uh, you do have to play City of course and really it could well get to the stage where whoever wins that takes the league because that's in April I think so you know that's if even if Liverpool are three points behind them still they'll have, they'll have a comparable goal difference won't they so it could well be whoever wins that wins the league um, because I wouldn't be surprised if both clubs won every game apart from that one so yeah, it'll be interesting though, definitely, because Liverpool are in touching distance. So we'll see. Speaking of Liverpool, you know they did um, get a get a, a win against West Ham, which could help out Man United, you know, in the race for top four. So you know, unfortunately, Man United could not do Liverpool a solid as well with their abject performance. But yeah, um, I think I think there was a bit of controversy about this goal though. So we'll go through the games now though. Actually, we're only going to talk about Liverpool. There's nothing else really going on. So, oh, Newcastle won there. You look at it, they're staying up. Congratulations. More dirty money. Anyway, so Liverpool. Um, yeah, so, like, you know, they, they didn't play particularly well uh, against West Ham. They were okay. But, uh, you know, obviously it's Liverpool. You know, like, you expect them to blow teams away. And so if they only win sort of, like, 1-0 or 2-0 or what have you, they, they you don't really think it's, like... A great Liverpool performance, but they, you know, it was, it was all right for you know they, uh, they were, they were dominant against West Ham. Let's be honest. I mean, they battered possession. They had a lot more shots. They would, they, they, you know, it was, it was a good performance. Other than the goals, I, I should rephrase. You know, like obviously, 
when you play when Liverpool play this well, you expect them to win like three or four nil. Whereas, you know, is that a concern? You know, because that they're not finishing well enough. I don't know. I mean, I'd say that as long as they're dominating games like they are, then they're gonna win them. You know, because they do have Salah, Mane, Jota. Firmino to a lesser extent they score their chances eventually you know as long as you create uh, enough of them and that new Diaz he looks like a good player so you know Liverpool are doing solid uh, but yeah the the goal uh, Mane's goal I saw it from a weird angle the offside decision and I thought to myself that it was onside uh, but then I saw someone comparing it to the Lukaku offside in, uh, in the Carling Cup final Sorry, the Carabao Cup final. Um, and, you know, obviously we discussed that last week. And, you know, we, I came to the conclusion that I thought he was onside for Lukaku. Obviously, not knowing these rules anymore. You know, I don't know what the T-shirt rule is. I, did, I hadn't heard it before the Carabao Cup final. Apparently it was being applied in it. So I have no idea. But, you know, I thought that Lukaku was onside by, you know, measures used earlier this season. And so therefore Mane is, isn't he? You know what I mean? Mane is onside. However, I didn't think Mane... Like, so the issue is that this fella on, on Twitter was comparing the two offsides, saying that they were the same and that Mane was given onside, whereas Lukaku was given offside. Now, I disagree personally. I thought Mane was behind the fella more. You know what I mean? Like His arm wasn't as far as Lukaku past the last man, so to speak. Uh, I still think Lukaku was onside because it was only his arm that was off. So if we're giving arms offside now, then, you know, a lot more people are going to be offside. Uh, but I still I still think Mane was onside. I think it's the right decision. Comparing it to Lukaku, I think, I think that, you know, that's a little bit disingenuous. But because they can both be, you know, one can be right for one reason and one can be wrong for the other reason. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Uh, it's disingenuous to compare them and call them the same when Mane was clearly further back than Lukaku was. Not saying that Lukaku should have been given offside. I thought he was definitely onside, but you know you can't com- you can't c- compare them. You can't claim that they're you know different decisions and one one decision for one team uh, you know and, and one for another. That's not the case here. So you know I think that was a little bit foolish for people to be comparing the two offsides because Thiago Silva. It was on Instagram actually, and Thiago Silva commented on the picture just like laughing with like laughing faces and it's like get a life first of all you're 37 second of all uh you know again what we just went through disingenuous to compare the two because they're not the same so <laughs> but yeah um as i say liverpool look fine they're they're on a really really good run you know they they've won five the last five games uh, maybe even more like, uh, going back. So, you know, they are on a good winning streak. I think that they're going to take some stopping, but I just think that they've left it a bit late to try and... Not left it late, that's the wrong phrase, but I think that City have just got a bit too far ahead of them, uh, unfortunately, for Liverpool. Um it will be close. As I say, if Liverpool win every game from now to the end of the season, they win the league, don't they? Because obviously they still have to play City and if they beat City, then they'll level on points and then they just need to maintain the goal difference, don't they? Which they do have a better goal difference than City currently. So, you know, it could well be whoever beats United the worst, you know, gets gets to win the league. Could well come down to that. So, <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I think that it's uh, it's cities to lose. So yeah, and I don't. I, I actually don't know if the game is. Um, I think it's. I think it's at Anfield. So you know, we are looking. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Let, I'm just gonna find it quickly. It is. Yeah. No. So it's at City. I apologise. So it is at City. So that will be a tough game for Liverpool. If they can win it, though, obviously title race is is well and truly on. I mean, it's on now, isn't it? So you know, we'll see what happens with that. But anyway, we, anyway, we're talking about we were talking about. Um, the, the fixtures from uh, Saturday, weren't we? So, yeah. Uh, what else have we got to talk about? Oh, yeah, we'll talk about Chelsea in a minute. But, um, you know, Villa beat Southampton. They're both going to be fine. They're both going to be mid-table. Leeds, bloody hell, they are in a lot of trouble, aren't they? I mean, like, Leeds have played three more games than Everton. Oh, bloody hell, they've played a game more than Burnley. Yeah, they could be, they could be in a bit of trouble because they've got a much worse goal difference than both of those teams. Like I think if Burnley, I mean Burnley, if they win one game, then Leeds are in the relegation zone. Or, you know, if they win their game in hand, obviously that's all ifs and buts, of course. But you know, Newcastle have have really pulled away from it all. You know, they're seven points clear of Burnley in the relegation zone. You know, obviously they could still get dragged into it. I mean, they're still in. They you know they're still down there and, and in it. Everyone up to Brighton are in it you know Brighton are safe of course I mean they need to they, it would be nice to see Brighton put another couple of wins together you know and go on a bit of a run like they were at the start of the season because they're they're always a fun watch they're pretty nice to watch but you know there's Brighton Leicester Villa and Palace all on 33 points so you know Brighton with one win could go right up to ninth so you know no one's worried it's just there but yeah so so the, 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 those chunk of teams you know they're all interchangeable. From Southampton down to Brighton, they're all going to be interchangeable, and they're going to finish between ninth and thirteenth, and it'll be very similar. Um, but yeah, Newcastle they've pulled away. Brentford are it. Mm, I would like to see them win a couple more games, you know, just to, just to try and get themselves out of it. But there is like quite a nice gap between them and, and Burnley. You know, they are six points ahead of Burnley, but Burnley do have two games in hand on them, so. But, you know, these teams don't win games, do they? That's why they're down at the bottom. So having games in hand isn't really a huge advantage because they need to win them in order for them to be advantageous. So, you know, and they don't win games. So uh, it's, it, you know, it, it's kind of a much of a mushness, you know, it's a bit of a moot point. Like, they will not necessarily be able to catch Brentford. Um, so, yeah, I just think that, like, like, Norwich are probably gone. They don't look as though they're really going to put anything together of any significance you know they I mean they they have 10 games left well 11 games left and they need to get 23 points to you know they, they always say 40 points I mean 40 points this season you know will f get you in fucking Europe quite frankly that's how poor the league's been so you know you could probably knock about five you could probably knock about seven points off that and still be safe I think with the with the poor quality of the league this year but even so, they need to like double their points tally in 11 games, and it's just not going to happen. Watford as well, they've conceded far too many goals. Hodgson's not going to get them scoring enough goals. So, I mean, that, that was never their problem under Ranieri. They've kind of gone completely the other way now, and just, you know, I mean, 
they they put up a good fight against Arsenal, who by the way we should talk about uh, quickly. Um, you know, Arsenal won three two at Watford. Really good performance. They Arsenal looking good. I mean, are Arsenal good now? Yes, they are. It's uh, it's it's worrying. <laughs> it's worrying for Man United, West Ham, and Tottenham certainly. But uh, you know, Arsenal have, have done really well. They've done it not even quietly. I mean, like everyone who who's been paying attention has been like, yeah, they look really good. But you know, they've just sort of snuck up, snuck up, snuck up, and now all of a sudden they're a point ahead of Man United, and they've got three games in hand on them. So you know, wow. I mean, they are doing pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, like Arsenal are doing doing exceptionally well, and actually, if City or Liverpool still have to play at Arsenal, that could be a concern for them because Arsenal are playing pretty well at the moment. Um, just Saka, Odegaard, Smith Rowe, Martinelli's started playing really well. He's back in the team and he's playing well. Like they're really exciting, like play uh, attacking players. Like Saka is a really good player. He looks really intelligent on the ball. Always makes the right pass, it seems, Saka, at the right time, which is a huge thing to get down so young, you know. Because that usually comes later, you know. Like, typically, a young player has a lot of skill but doesn't necessarily make the right decision all the time, and then that comes with more experience. Whereas Saka, I feel as though he makes the right decision quite a hell, like, you know, most of the time, which is, which is something that Messi doesn't really get a lot of credit for, and he gets a lot of credit for everything, but... I think Messi personally is one of well I mean obviously his, his ability is phenomenal and that's why he's one of the best ever if not the best ever but it's about the decision making for me he will always make the right decision he will always do something that you think yeah that was definitely the best option in that in that moment you know I mean that's why he gets so many assists you know that's why he that's why since he, as he's got older he's been able to drop further and further back because his passing is so good because his intelligence is so good and he just you know he just makes the right decision and it's and it's brilliant to watch well you know, if you like Messi of course but you know um, I mean I'm not comparing Saka to Messi I'm just saying that it's a quality that Messi has um, which you know I, I think is a, a great asset to have and Saka in my opinion definitely has that he, he does make the right decision a lot of the time and that would be you know someone like Rashford if Rashford made the right decision a lot of the time he'd be the he'd be the best player in that United team like he'd be first one in the team but Rashford will make the wrong you know he will carry the, he'll run with the ball for too long you know he'll try and beat another guy even though he's already beaten two fellas he won't lay it off he'll shoot against the guy's legs like and when he should shoot he'll try a ridiculous pass like it's not you know, don't get me wrong, I love Rashford. I love Marcus Rashford, Sir Marcus of Rashford. He is a phenomenal guy and he's and he's a wonderful player when he's actually playing really well and confidently. You know, when he's full of confidence, he is he's a sight to behold. He's a very good player. But he just hasn't had confidence since since the Euros pretty well, well before that, really. I mean last season he was actually really good, he scored like twenty goals. And then this season, it's just I think the Euros just really took it out of me. He's never he's not had a proper break for like three years or something now. So you know with COVID and everything, which is obviously true of a lot of footballers. It's just this it looks as though Marcus Rashford has been hit quite hard by them, but by by this lack of rest. And you know he had shoulder surgery over the summer and things like that. And so it just yeah I just think Rashford needs. What, how do we pivot to Rashford? Anyway, look, he needs to get fit. That's all he does. And he, needs, you know, he needs to recharge this summer. But anyway, um, yeah, so Arsenal, they, they do look really good. And Saka, as I say, yeah, 
he's he's gonna be well we already know he's phenomenal but like you know he's gonna be incredible like when in another couple of years it'll be like recognized as one of the best players in the league for sure like he's incredible um so yeah arsenal look really good and arteta fair play to him he's turned a corner he's turned it round a lot of people didn't believe in him me included and i apologize for that but you know i was very excited when arteta was hired like two or two years ago you know i was like oh that's quite a progressive appointment you know it'd be really quite interesting to watch and you know he he, he was it was streaky i'll say you know to, like, it was it was quite poor but then also it was quite good then it would it would like sort of flip-flop on that and he did win an fa cup let's be honest like you know he did that just as i say quite quietly they just kept going kept going in that fa cup and everyone was like bloody hell they're actually going to win the fa cup and they did so you know it was it was very impressive first season um in that respect but obviously they the league they weren't particularly good in the league they didn't have a very good start this season so everyone was like jesus like is he actually gonna you know are they gonna finish mid-table under this guy like you know but actually he's just gone about it you know very like confidently you know he's, he's been very authoritative on a lot of issues like especially around you know the personnel the playing staff like he's just like he reinstated Jacker into the team when no one wanted him to, you know, and he he got Obama, rid of Aubameyang. He got rid of a lot of players who just were were really not taking a piss, but he just didn't like them, you know. He just, they, they he didn't think they were very good for morale, for team morale and good in the locker room, you know. He got rid of Özil, who I quite like Özil, you know, and I think that you know it was just a little bit strange that like you know what happened with him. Like I mean, at the end of the day, he was. He was ousted for some political views, and you know, at the time, Arsenal said like he was basically like, "Look, we need to, we need to." He said something in an interview about the uh, Uyghurs, and if you don't know anything about them, the the Muslim, uh, you know, the the Muslim Uyghurs who have been, um, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I apologize if if, if if I'm mispronouncing it, but you know, the 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 people who have been um, captured in China, you know, and uh, imprisoned in China, you know. He said something about, you know, about that issue. And then Arsenal said, you know, did not back him. And they basically said, uh, Arsenal, don't get involved in politics. Which is funny because obviously they were the, they were clapping for Ukraine as well this weekend. So, you know, let's not, let's not muddy the waters too much. But anyway, um, yeah, so, yeah, that happened. And then so we got sort And, you know, it's just, whatever. Look, we're not talking about Ozil now. So, but yeah, they got rid of him because he didn't like him. They got, you know, got, or they didn't think he was a particularly good fit or whatever. Got rid of Kalasinac as, Kalasinac as well. Got rid of uh, Socrates, Socrates. Uh, you know, got rid of all these players who we didn't think was particularly con- good or conducive to a uh, to a to high morale in the in the locker room. You know, so yeah, I think it's just been very impressive the way Arteta's gone about it. He's just gone right. Are you, are you on board or not? Because if you're not, you can fuck off. And so a lot of fellas have fucked off. You know, uh, Ganduzi. A lot of people are like, why is why are they selling him? He looks like a good player. Because he because he fucked about in training. You know, because he wasn't he wasn't he didn't buy into the project. So Arteta was like, well, fuck off then. You know, just because he, you know, and also he wasn't even that good, Ganduzi, in my opinion. You know, same with that uh, fella who they got from Villarreal or I can't remember his name. Torado or something, I can't remember his name. Anyway, you know, the little midfielder, you know, looked like quite a decent fella, you know, decent player for a season. Then wasn't particularly good after he got injured, so Arteta shipped him out. 
Like, it's very, very, you know, it's just quite... It's it's what they need. It's what Arsenal needed. They needed to clear out of, of a lot of deadwood. And um, Arteta's gone about it very ruthlessly. And you've got to do that. And that's what Man United haven't done. You know, they've they've signed... They've tied fellas who have been past it for years to big contracts, you know. Phil Jones is still there. Matic is still there. Matter is still there in 100 grand a week. Why are these fellas... They didn't sell, they didn't sell Jesse Lingard in January and now he's going to go for free in the summer. You know, why aren't they getting rid of these fellas? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They are well past it. Like, they, they should not be... They shouldn't be there anymore. Anyway, Arsenal are a very... Um, Arsenal are a good team to look at in terms of how you go about doing that effectively and quickly as well. That's the thing. He's only been there for two years and he's got rid of most of the fellas who you'd point to and go, they're a problem or why are they still there? He's got rid of most of them within two years. That's really good going, I would argue. So, you know, fair play to Arsenal. They've, they've been really good and he's done it well. Anyway, uh, so yeah, and they, they, they could easily finish top four now. I mean, they, as I say, I've always said Man United will finish top four. Well, I don't know, man. Like, you know, it's 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 pretty. It's it's been pretty bad from United recently. Um, I think they've been better under under Ranić, uh, but still a long way to go for sure. Still a very long way to go. So anyway, we'll we'll finish there with with Arsenal. You know, they they but they are very impressive, looking very impressive at the moment. Um, okay, so yeah, not much. Oh yeah, Chelsea. Hmm. Okay, so. Actually, let's quickly go back to... No, actually, you know We'll save it for the end. So, Chelsea versus Burnley. Uh, so, there's... I mean, look, Chelsea won 4-0. Great at Burnley. But the issue really is more about what happened during the game. Uh, you know, or during... Before the game. With the uh, minutes applause for Ukraine. Now, obviously, you know, you'd have to be made of stone to not have sympathy with uh, Ukraine course you know it's an incredibly horrendous issue that is affecting you know it's it's on everyone's mind isn't it you know it's it's quite it's, it's obviously horrendous what's happening over there and it's uh tragic and um you know we've got to show that we're that we're with ukraine and, and that uh and so you know the football have done that by or the premier league have done that by having a minute's applause prior to the games this weekend and Chelsea fans during that minute applause started chanting for Roman Abramovich. Now, obviously, Roman Abramovich is the Russian owner of Chelsea, just in case you didn't know. Of course, you probably do. And he is one of Putin's closest allies and uh, one, of his, one of his backers. So, yeah, Roman Abramovich is being essentially... He's jumping before he's pushed. He's selling Chelsea. And he's fucking off, basically, before the sanctions come in. Because the UK government have not been quick with these sanctions. So they're essentially, they're letting him sell his assets to then pull his money out of out of England, out of the UK. That's, that's my read of the situation. Anyway, but you know, that's... Whatever. The point is that Roman Abramovich is a very close ally of Vladimir Putin and he is, you know, he's enabled him to, to do this, essentially, you know, through his support and through his, you know, through his support of Putin's regime. 
and is th- just through his friendship, you know, through his uh, through you know his 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 link his, his links to the to the look. It's it's a it's it was pretty jarring to hear the the chanting. Um, yeah, it's it's a shame because obviously Chelsea fans, well, we know what they're like, don't we? Like you know, you can't say oh that's a surprise because it 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 wasn't a surprise, but it was still kind of shocking. But you can't say it was a surprise when you know the, it's the same set of you know it's the same fan group who have been filmed you know chanting racist things to black people on Paris sub- Parisian subways and pushing them off the subway you know it's the same fan group fan base who have you know abused Anton Ferdinand because he was racially abused by John Terry you know it's it's the fan base that have an actual injury named after them a Chelsea smile <laughs> like you know these people aren't fucking good, are they? You know what I mean? So let's not stop being let's stop being surprised when they're not good. You know, when someone shows you who they are, you should believe them. And Chelsea fans, time after time, have shown us who they are, just like Chelsea players as well. So John Terry, you know, tweeting a picture of him and Roman Abramovich holding the Premier League, saying, "Oh, you're the best owner ever," kind of missed the fucking mark, didn't it? But again. John Terry has shown us over the years who he is, cheating on his wife multiple times, sleeping with Wayne Bridge's fiance, his teammate, his teammate's fiance, uh, racially abusing Anton Ferdinand, you know. But to name a few things, that's wrong with John Terry. So, yeah, again, John Terry isn't a good person, and we all know it. So why are we surprised when he tweets pictures of Roman Abramovich? You know, when he shows his support to Roman Abramovich. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? So, yeah. Chelsea fans. And I'm not calling... I'm not saying all Chelsea fans. Far from it. Most Chelsea fans are probably sound. You know? They probably just want to go to the football, support Chelsea, and then come home. Just like like most fans. But it's the 1%, isn't it? You know, 1% of fans ruin it and ruin Chelsea fans' reputation for everybody. You know? It's 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 wrong. So anyway, the chanting, it was, it was fucking wrong. And Tuchel came out afterwards and said, oh, this isn't the moment for that. You know, the Chelsea fans shouldn't be doing that. Well, yeah, they shouldn't be. You know? And Tuchel's been all right throughout this, but, you know, then again, he has got pissed off with journalists asking him questions about Abramovich. And quite frankly, you know, if you're, not, if you're going to take the job... You should really also take the questions of where the money's come from, you know? If, you, if you're happy to take the money, you should also take the questions. That's my opinion. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. So, Chelsea, yeah. Pretty disappointing, but also not surprising. So, that's, that's it, really. Um... Just want to say, obviously, you know, we stand with Ukraine here on this podcast as well, <laughs> on this chat. So, yeah, um, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a big weekend for the Premier League. You know, like uh, the title races, obviously, still on. Uh, 
relegation is up in the air and the top four race if you want to call it that is wide open as well now with Man United losing um, but as I say at this point it's Arsenal's to lose so because Arsenal are playing really well and you know they've got games in hand on Man United and they're already ahead of them so and West Ham, you know, they've, they've faded now, you know, as we predicted. You know, it's the one thing we've got right, which was a very easy thing to get right, really, here, you know, uh, that West Ham wouldn't get in the top four. I mean, they still could. <laughs> they really still could surprise us, but uh, I don't think they will. So, um, yeah, it's just, yeah. Anyway, um, is there anything else controversial this weekend? Not really. Uh I suppose I should end on, on the Ukraine thing, really. But um, actually, no, there is one thing as well. Um, I don't watch the analysis of Sky Sp uh, from Super Sunday and, and Sky Sports. I think it's complete garbage. Uh, you know, I don't need idiots telling me what to think, you know. Anyway, so you, but you, the only idiot you should listen to is me. So <laughs> my audience, like like uh, like me telling them what to think. No, I'm joking. But, uh, you know, I think that... I, so I don't watch it, but I did see when Roy Keane did like a speech, you know, he was like quite a passionate sort of speech about, you know, Man United and where they've gone and, and like how, how they've fallen to such lows and, you know, that it's terrible. And then Micah Richards just laughed at him, which was quite ridiculous. Like, I think, you know, I'm not going to say sit here and say, oh, yeah, you should show everyone respect and stuff. Like, you know, it's like, you know, the, end of the day, football's about fun in it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's supposed to be, a distraction from things a lot of the time, you know, but obviously we we know that it's intrinsic, intrinsic, intrinsically linked to politics, and you know, there's no escaping that. It is it it can be used as a tool to to you know we've talked about that all the time, you know. So you know, so so this leads me to my next point. So you know, obviously there are a lot of people on Twitter saying, "Oh, this is." You know, this is a bad move. This is a bit shit. This is really low from Micah Richards, just laughing in Keane's face or whatever. And, you know, you see a lot of people like, you know, Miguel Delaney, who's a journalist who I follow, who's uh, I, I respect quite a lot. You know, he's very, very good, I think. And then, um, you know, he tweets, you know, that it was quite low or quite disrespectful for Micah Richards to do that. And Gary Lineker tweets, oh, it's football, not war. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but what? what that, that hit the ear wrong. In my opinion, I thought that was a little bit tone deaf. It's like, you know, it's yeah, it's not war. You're right, but we should also still like respect each other, shouldn't we? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's pretty ridiculous. So you know, because it's like saying, because you know, Gary Lineker also talked about the Chelsea fans chanting during the the minutes applause. You know. You can't really... I mean, obviously, it's a hugely different issue, but you can't really say, oh, well, you know, that's... that. You shouldn't do that, but also you shouldn't do... You shouldn't laugh. You, but you can laugh in someone's face about it. I mean, it's... Maybe I shouldn't try and make that comparison, but um, you know what I'm trying to say? It's just a bit... I think it's a bit ridiculous that, you know, that there's, there's a lack of... You know, Keane's trying to make a point and Michael Richards just laughs in his face. And it's kind of like, you know, I get that fans do that. And, like, you know, it's actually, you know, I think we've gone too far with, like, you know, being like, oh, we should really be respectful. Like, oh, the Man United fans, uh, you know, oh, uh, Everton players shouldn't celebrate in front of Liverpool fans and vice versa. It's like, no, fuck that. The whole point 
of rivalry is to be like, yeah, like we can rub it in because, you know, that's the whole fucking point. We, you know, that's why we watch the games. That's why we enjoy it because, you know, you know, my mate in work who supports fucking Everton or whatnot, you know, if I'm a Liverpool fan, I want to be able to go in on Monday and be like, oh, I see the game, you fucking knob. Like, do you know what I mean? That's that's the point of it. That's the that's part of it. But if you're on the fucking television, literally talking about the game with fellow professionals and fe- and you know, and you're having a debate and a discussion, you shouldn't just fucking laugh at people right in their face. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a little bit. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong, Micah Richards. That's what he's there for, isn't it? To be, like, the fucking sidekick or whatever. Which I think is wrong. Like, you know, Sky Sports should be like, Micah, you know, he's probably got, you know, value, like in, you know, good opinions, potentially. You know, ra- let him try and express them rather than just being the side character who laughs at Roy Keane. Like, you know, they're both playing up to, like, a caricature. You know, Roy Keane's just angry all the time. And Micah Richards is just, like, the stupid guy who laughs... And it's not really sound, is it, to get those, to get them to play those characters? So, I think the analysis is just shit. And uh, yeah, I think that it's 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 pretty. People are gonna turn it off eventually because honestly, like that, just really. I, as I say, I watched him just laugh in his face, and I thought, oh, that's a bit shit. Roy Keane's probably gonna put in a complaint about that, like, and be like, I don't want to work with my critics anymore. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't a thing, you know, uh, next season, potentially, because I think. They do definitely get on each other's nerves. That that's that's just my opinion. They, it looks as though like Keane won't stand for it much longer. Like he honestly, he has a limit. Because <laughs> if you like, if you watch the clip, the way Roy Keane just looks at Michael Richards when he's laughing, he was fucking truly pissed off. Like you could tell. And yeah, but yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention that because I think that's like quite a big issue on the on Twitter, especially uh, this weekend after the game. So yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, just so that's it really. We haven't really got much else to talk about about the football. Obviously, let us know what you thought about the episode. If you if you've got any, uh, you know, if you disagree with me, then please let me know. Um, but yeah, just to reiterate and to end on, obviously we support Ukraine. We stand with them, and uh, you know, hopefully this whole business is, you know, comes comes to an end very quickly without. Uh, without a game much worse than it already is. So, you know, hopefully, yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's it. So I don't know what we're going to do next week. Let's have a look. So we've got Champions League coming up next week, which we don't really talk about, to be honest with you, because it's shit. So, you know, we'll try and get an episode out maybe middle of next week because of the City Palace game. So we might might do one. I don't know. It might be a week. It might be actually towards the end of the week. Anyway, look, whatever. We'll do it at some point, but yeah, just keep an eye out for it. Uh, anyway, I'll talk to you soon. All right.